0: This week, we've got an all around incredible episode. Our guest is Jana Grota, who is a co founder and owner of One Love Hemp Dispensary out of Louisville, Kentucky. We talk Kentucky cannabis, the dispensary, dosages, and more. We're also incredibly delighted to be featuring the local honeys on today's episode. They are Kentucky natives and are an act you don't want to miss. After this episode, please go and check them out, or better yet, catch a live show. I guarantee you any time spent listening to them is time well spent. And before we get on with the show, we now have merch in the podcast store on bluegrasscannabis.com. We have some beautiful embroidered hats with our Bluegrass Banjo logo, shirts printed with our skull design from Brainflower Designs, stickers, and more every day. So if you'd like to support this podcast, think about swinging by the country store on bluegrasscannabis.com and show off your love of Kentucky cannabis and bluegrass cannabis. Thank you again for listening, and thank you for stopping by the Bluegrass podcast.
1: So to get started, do you want to talk about how you got into cannabis and just how you got introduced
2: So like from the very first time is what we're talking about here?
1: Yes, ma'am. How did you get introduced to it (laughs) first? How did you come into contact?
2: Well, when I would say when I was 12, 12, 13, um, I was living in Texas at that time. Um, One of my dear friends, uh, Lisa, if she listens to this, she'll know who I'm talking about. I was invited to the beach with, I can't remember if it was with her whole family, but I know her brother was there. She had an older brother and we went down to Galveston Bay and they had, you know, cannabis, a joint I'd never consumed. So I was very curious. Um, I I would say at 12, I really hadn't heard a lot about cannabis. Um, I mean, I knew some people, it, it wasn't like it is now is what I'll say. Uh, Now it's just cannabis is everywhere. So I did indulge in smoke and I don't think I could have put my finger on it then. Um, But me looking back at it, I know I was a very anxious child. Um, I don't even know if I could have known that's what was going on with me in my world at that time. I didn't realize I had anxiety until a few years ago. (laughs) Didn't know that's what it was called. And I just remember that day at the beach, um, standing down by the waves and just enjoying the waves and where I was and really being in the moment, which as a anxious child, that was difficult. I think I was always had my mind was always zooming, uh, making sure I was safe. You know what I mean? Where it's just like not feeling just almost vibrating at all times and um, all of a sudden it was just very calm remember hearing the waves and looking at the waves coming in and just thinking wow I mean peaceful um they were off and all kind of laughing and doing their thing but I just really found a nice peaceful moment I don't even know if I've attached it to cannabis but I was just like whoa I haven't felt this before this is interesting and then um I didn't consume for, I guess, a few years. It was high school, I believe, when I did again. And I found that at that time, the cannabis in my area was coming up from Mexico. It's what we call brickweed, weed. And uh, <laughs> my friends would consume and all be chill. I would consume and be Wanting to do, wanting to go. I can remember one time they were all chilled on the couches and whatnot. And I'm trying to do karate kicks to touch the doorframe. And I didn't really dig how it was making me feel. Didn't know why then. I know why now. (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. what was coming up was mostly sativas that did not work well in my body. So I kind of put it away. I think I got high a few times in college few times in grad school, um, but I do come from a family of, this is gonna be a bit tough because my family still, part of my family still lives in a state that's not legal. So I don't wanna get anybody in trouble, but I'm just gonna be straight up with you and you can keep me safe, how's that? (laughs) So I do come from, my family's been in cannabis for a long time. I mean, the first time I saw a cannabis plant, I was 13. Uh, some we were having a pool party and somebody ripped out one of my family's cannabis plants and threw it into the pool, and I didn't really know. It's like one of those weird things where it was just hush; nobody talked about it, right? Um, they when threw I got it in anger, or, or
1: they threw it because the party was I don't that. Know good. Why.
2: I have no idea why because why would you do that to this big, beautiful? And I remember distinctly, that was my first time to see a full plant. It wasn't in full bud, but it was taller than I was. It was beautiful. And, um, I have no idea why, um, who knows I was, you know, I was young and didn't really pay attention. I was having fun. What can I say? Um, but when I was in high school, um, one of my family members, uh, did grow and did distribute. And, um, I knew that, but I never really partook after it was just like really bothering me, you know, not working in my body. Um, so I forgot even what you asked me, um, as I got older college and things like that. I know that continued and still does today, um, which I'm very proud of that now because I, and I really like the term, you know, everybody always says black market, but legacy growers. Um, Mm -hmm. It really kind of makes me proud because this plant is plant medicine. I've always thought of the plant as medicine, um, I have always been a natural medicine person, whole plant medicine person. Even when I was young, I used to drive my mother crazy. He's a nurse practitioner because she, you know, if I wasn't feeling well, she'd offer something. And the quote that, you know, I can remember saying that used to drive her crazy was the body is the best healer. I'll be fine. Um as i got older i do have a lot of conditions i have a lot of things going on in my body that began at the age of 13. Um, i was a possible ms patient Um, i was in one of the first mr machines and mri machines in the country in 1988 um, which was horrifying and terrible i wish i'd had cannabis before i got into that thing uh and um, as time has progressed um just a lot of things have, I've got. I'll just go through the list. So I am a diagnosed MS patient. I have Hashimoto's. I have Graves' disease. I have Lyme disease, um, which I'm just now dealing with. Um, last year, I had a medical crisis. that kind of brought everything to a head. And um, cannabis has been one of my lifelines, I will say. Um, it wasn't until... 2016, that I was up in Washington. My family's in Washington State and in Texas. Um, So I was in Washington State. Uh, my dad lives on this island. Um, he lives in Anacortes, which is on Fidalgo Island. And I was just on the couch reading Bon Appetit, which is a magazine.
0: And there was this
2: article on terpenes. And I was like, what terpenes in food what and I just began this big deep dive it may have been 2015 because 2016 is when I went to Colorado to go to the trichome institute to learn about terpenes and become certified as an interpener which is like a sommelier of cannabis Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but I went thinking I was going to do this whole food thing because I'm also a certified culinary nutritionist and do wine pairings with cannabis just seems so exciting to me. So I was flying back and I was, uh, went to Trichome Institute, influenced by this article, and began to learn about terpenes. And came back to Kentucky and was like Nancy, who was my neighbor. I was just like, oh my gosh, we've got to get terpenes, you know. Um, and I'm kind of ahead of myself because there is when Nancy and I met and such, but. That is when I learned why the medicine was not working in my body when I was a teenager, if that makes sense. Um, when I began to learn about linol, and I was like, I don't think anything that I had then had linalool in it. I think it was all straight up sativa. Uh, my body doesn't do well with the uh, sativas. I really have to look at the, the chemical profile of the terpenes to be, know whether it's going to work for me or not. Um, and now that that science is, is here, it has made it so much easier. <laughs> so I've found many things that work in my body, cannabis wise, um, and I, I I would say I'm a daily consumer. I've, I've kind of figured it out. I thought I found my sweet spots for sure.
1: And do you have any sort of preferred method that you like better than others or just day to day depends on how you're feeling or
2: Um, depends on how I'm feeling. Um, I mean, I like all the methods. I think topically it's almost magical how quickly it works. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's also a great thing for people, you know, with pain management and such, because you can use topicals and still function and work, you know, it's not going to get you intoxicated or high. I um, definitely use edibles, edibles because they, you know, they last longer. And so in 2015, I actually had a rock climbing accident where I pulverized my calcaneus, uh, broke my, I had a compression fracture in my back and a head injury. So I, you know, I pretty much have day-to-day pain. And so edibles work well because they are longer lasting, um, smoking, uh, consuming by inhalation for me, um, especially last year when I went into what's called thyroid storm and, uh, just had months and months of nausea that was horrid, um, smoking seems to work the best for that, um. So I don't necessarily, I think that I need that day today. But when it comes down to nausea, to me, that is the best form so that you can eat (laughs) and function. Um, Because, you know, when you're nauseated, it's hard to really do anything. That stomach really has a hold on us for sure. Um, So I'd say all, all of the above. (laughs) And that's one thing that's great about this medicine is it has so many different forms of consumption that usually one way is going to work for everybody. But I also find that when you do use the different methods of delivery, it almost amplifies each other. So you get almost like a total package type of relief. Um, Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Um,
3: No, also.
2: Yeah. Also the, Cannabis is what's called a. Um, it works in um, different ways in small amounts than it does in large amounts. Um, so small amounts are more activating, whereas large amounts are more sedating, you know? So you can find your sweet spot in there somewhere to be able to consume and still function. Because, you know, I own a business, I'm a single mom, I've got five kids. Um, a beautiful big old dog who's sitting right here at my feet. <laughs> and I really, I have to be able to function. Um, so I have found that sweet spot where I can consume just enough to take the edge off of pain and be able to function and get through everything I need to get through. Um, and then for sleep, if I need to use it for sleep, you know, consume more and then, um, Good, you know, which is more sedating. So that's the way I use it all different mm-hmm. ways. Minimum
1: effective dose, right?
2: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I feel like the whole, like the microdosing thing, which microdosing can be anywhere from, you know, half a milligram to 10 for some people. Beginners, when people come into my shop, I do not like to, if they have never consumed, I do one to two milligrams because you never know how it's going to function in somebody's body. Um, And that micro dose, amen, that two milligram dose, which seems like nothing for most people, is really surprising how it just takes the edge off and makes life so much better mentally, physically. uh, It it blows my mind how little can do more. Uh, Us Americans always think that more is better. Um so I do have people that come in and I'll tell them, you know, consume, you know, start here, go, lo- start low, go slow, slowly titrate up. The next time I see them, they'll come in and be like, you know, Jan, I didn't listen to you. I took the full 10 milligrams and you were right. I shouldn't have done that. And it's like, well, you know, in the future you might be able to. But when you're first starting, it's like, that's just 10 milligrams is a lot, a lot for most people. Um, and, and then, you know, if you they mo-
1: realize there's a ceiling too, Right.
2: Right. Right. There is a narrow therapeutic window. Actually, studies show that 30 milligrams and like up to 30 milligrams is where you get therapeutic value. After that, studies show there is no value. Now, I know people who consume more that are getting value from that, but for the most part, that lower dose is where most people are going to fall into. And we're not, I'm not talking about terminal patients. I'm not talking about cancer patients, you know, I'm just talking about like your day-to-day person, that's where they're going to fall.
1: Yeah. Your average Joe.
2: Yes. Or Jane. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and we sort of moved really fast, but do you know. want to talk about how you met um, Nancy at all?
2: Miss Nancy. Yes. Um, Nancy was my next door neighbor. Um, in 2010, I moved into this little farmhouse next door to her my family out there. And um, we were both homeschoolers, um, which, you know, was a great connection. Um, we just became friends. Um, our kids played together um, and we just kind of got to know each other. She, we both had the same mindset of, uh, you know, food as medicine, um, natural plant medicine. And so we just connected. And when this hemp thing Hit in Kentucky we literally met with we were on the cul-de-sac and I remember us meeting in the cul-de-sac and talking and it was like we just made this decision two moms in a cul-de-sac that this hemp thing was here and we were going to do it um that is how we began. Um, Nancy at that time uh, still owned New Earth and she brought me in and we had a one cabinet that was CBD. And so I kind of became a consultant for the CBD, um, working mostly with that, but also with the hydro and, um, all the, you know, the nutrients and things like that for the organic gardening. And I had just in 2015 <laughs> divorced and I was kind of in this place of what the heck am I going to do? Cause I was a uh, at home mom I gardened uh, organic garden I literally grew almost everything that my family ate I prepared all food um and I homeschooled and suddenly it was like uh gotta figure something out to do so by the grace of Nancy um she came over and just started asking me to do some projects with her and uh We just kind of grew that way. They opened up a little express, New Earth, on Bardstown Road in 2015. And then it was August of 2018 that she and I decided, let's do this dispensary thing. She sold her uh, New Earth, her portion to her brother. We partnered on One Love. We literally closed the doors one day as New Earth put up a temporary sign on the window that said coming soon, one Love hemp dispensary and opened the doors the next day with that same one cabinet of CBD. And we had nothing else in the store. I mean, it's echoed in there. It was just so empty and lo and behold, you could hear screeching of tires, like brakes, people slamming on their brakes to stop to come in because they saw that word dispensary. And we're Mm -hmm. so excited, (laughs) which, I mean, tells you a lot. You know, Kentucky is so ready for uh, cannabis, um, believe it or not. Um, And that's just kind of how we began. And we just slowly grew from there. Of course, COVID hit in uh, 2020, and that was pretty intense for any small business owner. But we just chugged along, and um, we now currently have three locations in the Louisville area. And we um, just, we've got one in Bowling Green opening. The soft opening will be August 1st. And that is a franchise. Um, And we couldn't be happier. I, I, I cannot believe that we've grown like we have. But at the same time, Nancy is such a gem. Like I told you the other day, I feel like she is the best kept secret in the cannabis industry. She's been in it for so long. Um, she also just you know natural medicine, plant medicine, um, I don't know. It's just we carry a lot of knowledge in our uh, dispensary. I know on our cards and stuff, I think it says like eighty years of cannabis expertise, but between us and all of our employees who are all cannabis knowledgeable and consumers, I I don't even know, decades and decades, maybe a couple of centuries of knowledge if you added up everybody's um, expertise for sure. Um, We did bring terpenes to Kentucky, I will say. Um, Nobody really knew what they were. I know when I started going to Colorado to get a little knowledge on it and I came back and I'm like, Nancy, we've got to do this. I think she thought I'd lost my mind, you know? Um, So we started putting terpenes into things and seeing much bigger results for our customers and patients. And I do believe that's what has helped us explode like we have being able to fine tune cannabis consumption to get the best results that you can for whatever condition or whatever it is you're seeking from that plant. Does that make sense?
3: I thought fence under a tarp out in the rain peeking from the plastic was her honey goat sat down on the water trough, Wrung my hands and cried Suppose we're all just animals with slightly different heights I never got used to watching the horses die They die badly It has kept me up at night Oh And under the green alfalfa wood. Grady Pruitt took his bald cat and buried her for me. The dead wagon must turn around. How happy I should be. I never got used to watching the horses die. They die back It has kept me up at night. I never got used to watching. The style count my bridge's ponies when I greet the morning. Are growing by the day the once prized domestic pet ain't worth the away. they've been turned out on the strip mines get to starving into the snow they'll wander off the mountaintop looks all off of roads this little girl inside me is chomping at the bit she cannot save them all the tree's hard to he admit God got used to watching horses die when they die badly. It has kept me up at night. I never got used to watching.
1: Absolutely. And so, in terms of getting started in like 2020, like you're talking about with COVID, do you mm-hmm. feel like internet sales helped you all at all? Being able to have that avenue for products the and internet. that wasn't in store?
2: Um, yeah. And we were able to stay open. Um, we were considered essential. Um, you know, we put up all the stuff, all the acrylic, you know, just like everybody did. What a crazy time. Um what a lot of uh, money that people had to pour into their business to keep everybody safe. Um, And internet sales definitely were phenomenal uh, for us during that time. And we could do pickup. So a lot of people were doing pickup where they could call the order in and drive down to uh, Bardstown road and pick it up. And then we did open up a little express stop in our headquarters shop in J town, because that was a little easier for people too. So that allowed us to kind of continue and people could order online. We also delivered during COVID um, to make it a little easier and, you know, more, uh, I don't know what word I want to use. Um Just keep us going, you know.
1: And so since if- you'll be opening up, Hopefully, I'm guessing with a license in 25, how do you feel about this next year and a half, this like buildup period?
3: Um.
2: Yeah, that will be interesting because, you know, we don't really know what all that looks like yet, you know, how they're going to license or anything like that. So my mindset on it is, is just keeping our head down and doing what we do best, um, I do think uh you know we've built a reputation of trust and knowledge and you know going into medical cannabis it's hard to say Elijah it's hard to say what that's going to look like um that you know it's a medical bill um I don't really know how lucrative that's going to be for people um I don't know it's a little scary <laughs> uh, oh, especially for sure. in, You know, for states that have gone legal, um, there's usually a lot of income that the state receives that makes it really beneficial for both the state and the consumer, right? Medical doesn't really do that um, because it's not taxed as far as I know um, from what I'm reading. So that means that um, how many licenses for dispensaries are they going to get out? I don't know. I really don't know. You know, when Arkansas went medical, they only the first year they were open, they only had five dispensaries in the entire state, which is crazy to think. So if you lived in the middle of nowhere, being able to get, you know, if you had a medical card, being able to get what you needed, you'd have to drive pretty far. I really hope that Kentucky doesn't do that. So I guess we'll see what happens.
1: Oh, yeah, we had that problem in Illinois when I worked at a dispensary there where Basically, we were the last chance saloon on the border. And if you wanted something else, you really needed to drive a couple hours to Chicago. But I'm interested to see with Missouri and Michigan being so open, I already have had friends who've moved over there and opened licenses just early. So I mean, like, the competition is on and we're definitely losing traffic.
2: Uh, Amen to that. Um, I it really... I don't know. I guess because day to day I deal with a lot of people who have a lot of conditions like I do. Um, and I know when I when you tick through a list of all of these things that are going on with you, it seems like, oh my gosh, there's so many things going on. It can't be that way. Well, when you've got an immune system that's really messed up, all sorts of things can happen. And the, you see people coming in with so many things going on. And they're kind of at the end of their rope. Um, You know, medical doctors are only given so much time to be with their patient. Um, Pharmaceuticals are kind of a one fits all, you know, there's not really, it's not like plant medicine where you really have to find your sweet spot. Um, It's not just about one plant. You know, there's a lot of things you need to do to feel better lifestyle wise. But when they come to us, they were a lot of people are at the end of the rope. They don't know where else to go. And it's such a bummer. I just I feel like it's 2023. We're not going to have medical until 25. And it's almost cruel when I'm looking into the eyes of some of these people who are really at the end of the rope. I just I I don't understand. I, it, I, and I know people will be like, well, it's finance, you know, it's money. it's And I know all that. But at the same time, I don't know. To me, it's about humans and let's not be cruel. Let's get these people what they need. Um, It almost takes somebody in your family to get really ill. Somebody that you love so much when they get ill, that's when I see people who've never consumed cannabis. They're just looking for something to give relief. And I think how much better it would be if we were just an open state, you know, an adult use state it would make it a lot easier. Um,
1: that's
2: why. I, that's why you know twenty twenty five. I really hope it's. I hope it's a lot brighter than what I fear. You know,
1: hundred percent. I mean, it's like we were talking about. You have to see, right? Is there a state that's done it in air quotes right so far?
2: Correct. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: Um, I know.
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no. I was going to say, kind of. you mentioned lifestyle. I'm curious what you think about up in Maine and some of the different states that have talked about trying to regulate it as a food rather than as a pharmaceutical. If you had any thoughts about that.
2: I have big thoughts about that. That's such a great question. Um, I do think of cannabis as food. Um, I treat it as any other ingredient that I do in my uh, kitchen, obviously with respect. Um, when you learn about the endocannabinoid system and that our bodies need it, that's where I'm like, it has to be food. Um, I, I do education and I teach a lot about the endocannabinoid system. I actually think it's criminal that we're in 2023 and that it's not taught even in like you know, when you're young and you take your first biology class and you're learning about the respiratory system and the reproductive system and the, this system Mm -hmm. the that system, well, there's the endocannabinoid system. It's not some woo woo thing that people, you know, have just created, you know, it is a legit system. Um, I just finished the, um, cannabis nurse certification course. Um, and in the things that I was reading and studying and all this you know all the research they are now connecting every condition to an upregulated or downregulated endocannabinoid system and most people don't even know what an endocannabinoid system is mm-hmm. you know so I really feel like I mean we've been fighting to legalize the plant but if we l- made it where it was required to be taught along with the other systems taught in medical school, because a lot of doctors don't even know about it, which doesn't make any sense to me. The next step really is to get that into our school systems, medical books, because if people learned about that, they would have no fear of cannabis. It would be, they'd realize that they needed it. We need cannabis just like we need, or I'm sorry, I should say it this way. We need cannabinoids just like we need protein if they prohibited our protein, like they did cannabis for 80 something years, we would not stand for that. So it is just as essential as protein. It's what keeps us in balance. It's what keeps us in a state of um, homeostasis. And it's what regulates our entire body, all of the systems. I, I, when I teach, I always say, it's like the one ring in Lord of the Rings. The one ring that rules them all It is the Obi-Wan of the body. And that's where I think we really need to. We've been so focused on legalizing the usage and the stigma still there. But when I teach people about that, I actually was invited to a church here in Louisville last week. And that's all I taught. I don't teach about, oh, if you've got this condition, take this. If you've got this condition, take this. I don't teach that way. When I taught these people and told them about the endocannabinoid system and gave them some sites to go to and places to go to learn about it, I mean, they were all blown away. And almost some of them a little mad. Like, why haven't we learned about this? And I'm like, I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Pardon? You feel cheated when you find out. About oh, yeah. This. You're like, no I mean, one was talking about this.
2: Yes. No, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And that system was found. The ECS was discovered in um, the nineties. It's not new because that THC molecule was discovered in 63 and um, Raphael Meshulam, who discovered that he and his team don't want to discount the team. It was Mm in the nineties when he, again, found you know the receptors and the endocannabinoid system and then there you know science began with the ECS there and we still I mean it's 30 years later and it's not in books for my children to learn at school doesn't make any sense but i guess that's really where the next fight is and there are some people that believe strongly about this and are working to get it into medical books and things like that but i wish as a whole the industry and the advocates would focus on that. I really feel like that would, that would be a huge turn in, um, just the thought on cannabis, but it is, you know, when you think of like turning, it's not a little speedboat that we're turning. It is a gigantic cruise ship and it takes a minute to turn. You know, you can't just turn like a cattle horse. It takes a while to get that ship turned around. Um, it's definitely hadn't been a speedboat. It's been 80-something years since this all began. So I guess we just one-on-one. I feel like it's kind of an inside job just being able to, you know, meet with small groups and teach them until, um, I don't know, our the system wakes up. The system, the big capital S system. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: No, I think you're right. Like you're talking about, it's about lifestyle and education. I mean, Mm -hmm. not letting it get to this point to where someone's a terminal patient before you use it as a pharmaceutical. You can keep the system in balance. You can make it like food, a regular part of your routine, nutrition. You know Mm -hmm. the food medicine movement. No, I agree with everything you're saying. And like you're talking about with education, it's just a long, hard slog, right? Just oh, the way that we educate about drugs in general.
2: Yes, yes. I I mean there and there's things too that um like I said, it's not just one plant. There are things that you can consume and do to help prime um that endocannabinoid system that we're not taught either. You know, things mm-hmm. like taking a probiotic daily, taking an omega-3, these things actually help the endocannabinoid system. And I would just consider that lifestyle, you know, doing exercise, you know, they say uh, the studies that I see, like just singing or dancing can elevate your endocannabinoid system. So can laughing, um, which, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you laugh or dance or sing, we tend to feel better. That's the endocannabinoid system elevating and uh, letting off some of those endogenous cannabinoids. Um, which I was telling Nancy the other day, I said, you know, it's one of those things that you hear growing up or just you know, hear tossed around where laughter is the best medicine. And it was the other day I went, oh my gosh, laughter truly is medicine because it's helping our endocannabinoid system, rev, I guess would be the word that I would, you know, that makes me think of. And that's simple, everybody can do that just, you know, when you're alone or when you're watching a movie or whatnot. Um, but these things were just not taught. I I do tell people when you take your CBD dance, because it actually helps that CBD work better. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. kind of free CBD. If you're laughing, singing, having fun. Um, but yeah, once again, that's that endocannabinoid system that nobody knows about.
1: (laughs) Visible sign of the invisible light.
2: Yes. Yes. Seriously.
1: And you all do some work with some mushroom supplements too yes right?
2: we do yes we do so the functional mushroom line that we have is myco girl um we developed that i believe nancy talked a little bit about that because there were things that we were consuming um daily you know in, uh, individually i mean if you saw my regimen that i do it's like crazy um and then we just was like wait we're taking all of these things why don't we just put it in a gummy that seems easy and so that's how that all began. So my oh girl, we right now have four different gummies in that line. And I do believe those are functional mushrooms, which is food, right? Um, I am a strong believer that food is medicine and that's not new. Everybody's you see that everywhere. Um, most conditions, I would say 90 to 95% of conditions can be taken care of by a change in diet. And when I say diet, I don't mean calorie counting at all, Um, because that's not fun. (laughs) I just mean like, you know, making sure you eat a quarter cup of wild blueberries every day for brain health. Well, most people love blueberries. That's not a problem. Um, And you could do more than that. But I think a quarter cup is a great idea. But, you know, things like that Brussels sprouts, certain things that just make everything better in your body. Mushrooms Mm -hmm. are a part of that package. Um, but most people aren't going to go and buy lion's mane and chop it up and saute it, and eat it. So putting it in a gummy, making it easy for people to consume is what we've done. And
3: you
2: well, get and great I think results like from education, that.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about education, just getting people familiar with it, right? Mushrooms are oh, still, yeah. I think to yes. a lot of people, that corner case, like, oh, no, I won't have any of those.
2: Right, or uh, most people when they hear mushroom, they'll come in and they're like mushrooms. They think we're talking about psilocybin, which is the trippy, dippy mm-hmm. mushroom. I don't have a problem with that mushroom at all. Um, a lot of beautiful, amazing research going on across the country, especially Johns Hopkins with that. Uh, microdosing is become a thing in our country um, because it's neuroregenerative and helps so much with um, Alzheimer patients, TBI patients um yeah oh yeah i could almost see that being legalized before cannabis federally uh, just because of it doesn't have the stigma and so research has been able to be done unlike cannabis was for so long you know
3: oh absolutely you get
2: funding for it um yeah, and a lot of people don't even realize that because it's federally illegal. It's it's hard to get funding for something that's, you know, for fed because fe- federal monies uh, feed those uh, research um, that that that's being done, and it's hard to research something if people aren't giving you the money for it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well, and mushrooms have just. It blows my mind the way that cannabis research has not been allowed to go forward. But things mm-hmm. like MDMA, LSD, psilocybin, right. some of the heavier, you know, psychedelics.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: research has just been so much easier to get.
2: And I wonder, you know, I'm just thinking this off the top of my head. I, you know, we went down to Canadelic, um in February. And that was mind blowing. Oh my gosh, it was mind blowing. Learned so much. The energy there was so amazing and so beautiful and so supportive. I guess is the the best way I can put it. Um, in cannabis industry, I felt a lot of um, oh, just a lot of. I don't want to say strive competition. I guess competition is the better word. Um, even within the advocacy groups, there's been a lot of, I don't know, I just feel like I wish everybody would just band together that could almost huh, could do beautiful things. It's a tough thing. We are human, you know, but I don't know if the psychedelic world is um, dealing with that as much. And maybe that's why part of it, why it's moving and progressing like it is. I don't know. Um, but. Cannabis advocacy would be, I would just wish everybody would band together. I think we could see a lot of movement if that were the case. And even within the industry, there's so much competition. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, you're definitely right. There's a lot of competition. I feel like so much of it has been created, though, just because of how legalization has come in. Mm -hmm. The weird, piecemeal, the inability to access the capital S system, right? Yep.
2: Yep. So
1: many people are left on the outside. It's like, well, if there's no way to get into the system, still, are you kind of encouraging
0: a black market?
1: I'm interested with psychedelics. If you know, they just go through a prescription route. You know.
0: Yeah,
2: that will be very interesting
1: this other Mm -hmm. black market, like in cannabis where, or traditional market, however you want to say it, just there's the licensed market. And then there's what the other 60 to 70% of consumers are using.
2: Right. That gray market or that black market area, or the legacy market is the term that I've really come to embrace. Um,
1: Your local market.
2: Yes. Your local market. I like that. And it's, it's hard to say because I know with cannabis too, there's a lot of money in cannabis. There's a lot of money in pharmaceuticals. We do know that there's a patent on cannabis. So we know that it works, right? that The government has a patent. There are Mm -hmm. some synthetic forms of this because we do have phytocannabinoids where they come from plants. We have endocannabinoids where they're made inside our body. Then we have synthetics, and that would be like your Marinol, and there's a few others on the market. Spice is a synthetic cannabinoid. Um, Mm -hmm. There's some out on the market now, too. Um, And I know that that synthetic, you know, the pharmaceutical market is making these things, but what i do know is they do not work as well and can even cause overdoses like spice um we saw a lot of overdoses because it actually fits in the receptor the theory one of the theories of why you cannot overdose on cannabis is because those molecules don't actually fit perfectly into the receptor but the synthetic cannabinoids do and so there's no stopping it. You know what I mean? It's like you can get a big, whopping overload of it. And mm-hmm. I hope these pharmaceuticals that are developed don't do that. Also, although if it's a if it's a drug on the market, a lot of people don't realize there's something that a uh, for um, it to be approved as a pharmaceutical drug, it has to have something called an LD fifty, which is a lethal dose. So for a drug to be picked up. You know, that you're taking from the pharmacy, it has to have a lethal dose, meaning it can kill you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Marijuana, mm-hmm. cannabis, weed is not like that, which is beautiful. Um, and I'm, so, all of these pharmaceutical drugs that are you know being developed or that will be developed are dangerous, can be dangerous, I guess is the way I should say it, if they're not used correctly, and you don't get the same results as if you're using. Medical cannabis.
1: Absolutely, it's. I'm sure you've heard about these, but the test trials that they did with like endocannabinoid system blockers.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. That, I think they that that's that. a really good example of how necessary this is, like, and how dangerous right. the pharmaceutical side can be.
2: Right. So they they did develop. There was a pharmaceutical drug that um, was developed for it was for dieting. Do you know this? And it blocked the receptor because your endocannabinoid system has triggers whether you're hungry or not. Um, Mm. And so they developed this drug to block one of the receptors so that people wouldn't be hungry. What they also found, maybe, and this is one of the studies you're talking about, was that it they had a few suicides occur because it created depression because it was knocking the endocannabinoid system out of balance yes and depressed people and then they had these suicides begin to occur so the drug was removed from the market um so people get upset when it's like yeah but when i consume cannabis i get hungry a lot of times i feel like uh that's probably a sign that you're not getting the nutrition that you need. So it just means you need to eat some healthy food. You know, uh, people call it the munchies and they tend to just grab what's in front of them, but it's not a bad thing. They should be eating just nutritious stuff. But yeah, it's a, those pharmaceuticals are not the way to go for sure. Um, I don't know. It's scary. Instead it's scary. of like
1: you said, a lifestyle, like mm-hmm. I think that's a really good example of if you do, go cold turkey and just remove this already naturally occurring system, things go really bad. Yeah, that's exactly oh, Yeah, it. I never want to come out and talk about those studies, but like, yeah, people were throwing themselves off of roofs. Like, I think that's yeah. a pretty clear indicator that something went horribly wrong.
2: Right, right.
1: I mean, and what I should that, we, we,
2: go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Oh, and to your point about it already works really, really well, I think sometimes that there's this desire to formulate things. Sometimes when it's like, no, nope, it actually works pretty well on its own. You don't need to mess with it as much.
2: Right, right. I, and, you know, it's and it's interesting how we, we have so many products and cannabis in the you know in dispensaries and our dispensaries. So many ways to take it to consume it. There's gummies. There's topicals. People, you know, come in. They're like, oh my gosh, they put this stuff in everything. And it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you know it's everybody's looking useful. for, yeah, very useful or whatnot. But a lot of that, you know, all of these products were driven by prohibition um, because the plant. I'm going to go back to terpenes because that, that's kind of my. I'm probably I, I'm not neurotypical, and I would say my obsession is terpenes. So anytime I can get back to terpenes, I'm going to do it. Um, but the when you've got the plant. You, you smell cannabis before you see it, right? I mean, it is loud, um, that's all the terpenes. So when it became illegal, moving that across the country becomes very difficult because you can smell it. You know, dogs are trained to smell it. So that began extraction process, right? that became co- concentrations. That is where vapes come from, dabs come from. Extract and put in anything you can so that it doesn't look like cannabis. And um, also what drove the THC up in plants, people began genetically you know, raising those levels so that less is more. Because if you're gonna buy it, you're taking a risk. And so you want to get the most strong cannabis you can find so that it will last longer. And so now we have all these products. Um, To me, the flower is king, actually queen, because we're talking about female plants. Um, If you can consume that way, that is the best way to consume it, because that is the whole plant matrix, right? Right. It'd be like a carrot. The best way to to consume a carrot is to eat the whole carrot, rather than pulling out the beta carotene. Because once you pull something out and isolate, it's not a carrot anymore, right? Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully, Your vitamin
1: C tablet versus an orange,
2: right? You know, because it all, it works symbiotic, Everything in it is working together to get the results, and there's less chance of overdose. You know, or consuming too much. Um, because the way the plant grows is the way I feel like it should be consumed. Um, Sometimes you do, I mean, you know, like RSO I feel like it's kind of a different type of thing you're dealing with um, intense conditions that need a very high amount. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But hopefully at some point federally we will be legal and everybody can just consume their flower um grow it in their backyard along with their tomatoes and carrots and everything. Um, I don't know if I'll ever see that in my lifetime, but it's it's a dream. <laughs> and and I do feel like it's the safest thing. Um, black market does not always create a safe market, right? Um, I remember being at the capitol, not this session, but the twenty twenty two session. And we were going around and meeting some of the senators and reps and whatnot and went into one's office and they were, they're were pro-cannabis. And then they said, um, talking about dabs and concentrates, they weren't for that because they had a binder full of young men who had died from dabbing. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a moment. What were in the dabs? Well, cannabis. And I said, where are we? Kentucky okay well it's a black market here so what was it you don't know what was in those concentrates you have no idea what the young men were consuming so we can't even say that cannabis called caused these deaths so the best thing to do was to make a legal market then you know what people are consuming for the most part right you know and um and you know I, they were like oh they were like oh didn't think about that. It's like, yeah, I mean, if people are at home making these dabs on their kitchen stove, there's chemicals that they have to use. And if it's not, you know, um, evaporated off or removed, then they're actually dabbing these solvents and stuff. It's not the cannabis. So let's make a legal market. (laughs) But mm-hmm. it's amazing how many people don't think about that where it's like you can't say that cannabis is doing these things that's that's old that's old school thinking that's that's oh, not 100%. the way it, it is you know
1: Well and like no. you're talking about solvent versus solventless extracts right Yes. even right. Us, we don't even need to use these chemicals it's not necessary right. in the process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Like hash is a concentrate Oh um, yeah So there's a lot of ways I that, I mean, they try to use these things against us when we're advocating and it's just like, that just doesn't roll, you know, but to the public, it does. And that's the, that's the scary, sad thing is that they'll take this, these things that they're being told by people who don't even understand what they're talking about because they're trying to create that fear, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know at this point in history, I'm like, I don't even understand why. I don't, I don't understand. I'm 54 years old and I'm just waking up and going, I don't understand. I don't understand us, us <laughs> humans. Why do we do this to each other?
1: Who knows? Uh, well, I think that'll be part of the legal cannabis industry, right? Like in every industry, I think in our country, like there's definitely not going to be a perfect system that's going to protect all consumers just right. because we regulated it. Right. There's right. always going to be that push back and forth of, you know, maybe they're a regulated company, but it's like some of the companies we had in Illinois that would just send us multi skews of product
2: that right. passed the
1: lab test at the time, but obviously no one was quality controlling anything going out. Right. There's just no guarantee either way, right? You really have mm-hmm. to educate consumers so that they can know what they're buying.
2: Amen to that. Even on the black market, I try to educate my people on how to smell to see what what they're actually smoking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can learn a lot from your nose. You know, oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the
1: smell of mold is pretty you if you stick your oh, nose yeah. in the jar and you don't want to consume it or you have a question mark, just chuck it.
2: Yeah. If you absolutely good, you're probably
1: not gonna have that reaction
2: absolutely salt lock has a smell uh, where they didn't um you know where it still has the nutrients where they didn't wash it out before they hold it um mold has a smell um there's there are some growers who were and i don't know if they still are would use things like grape soda or something to to give that sweet you know or even like purpley and there's a smell to that i mean there's just certain smells That it's like, I'm I'm with you. If your nose is not into it, do not consume it. That also comes with terpenes. Like if I had known that when I was young, if I had smelled that flower and did not dig the smell of the terpene profile, it means my body probably did not want that.
3: (laughs) And that's actually how
2: I do in the uh, dispensary when I'm trying to figure out what terpene profile would work best for people is I have them smell it. And what they're attracted to is what, Most of the time will work in their body because the nose knows what the body needs.
1: Exactly. One, it's just that first indicator, right? And it's way better than bag appeal.
2: Mm -hmm. Amen. Yep. Indeed, indeed.
1: So not to keep you on here forever, but... Were there any, you talked about your new franchise in Bowling Green. You talked uh-huh. about your mushroom project. Was there any other projects that you wanted to get the word out about before I let you go?
2: Um, I mean that the Bowling Green project is, you know, the big one right now. That's why I'm leaving here to go meet with Nancy so we can talk through just a lot of that. Cause that's still, we're still working on that, um, that I would say that's my focus right now, because if once we get this set up, hopefully there will be, um, you know, we'll move into the next one. Um, really, you know, this year and a half, I just want to keep my nose to the ground and keep going as we're going. Um, we built ourselves. I mean, basically, we opened our doors knowing that we, we wanted to work in the community and, you know, two moms with, we each have five kids. We're very safe people. We just really wanted to teach people about cannabis and its usage and that it is safe. Right. I just want to continue that. That's my ongoing project, I guess I would say. Um, and I don't ever want to lose sight of that project. Um Because ultimately, no matter what we're building, no matter what we're doing, if that isn't the focus and the priority, we're not going to do well. Um, I just I like people to know that whatever they've got going on, we absolutely can help them Um, with the plant. We also carry a lot of love in our dispensary. I mean, we're called one love. But I do believe a lot of people just need an ear and a little love to because, you know, when you're at the end of your rope, you do feel like nobody's listening to you. Um, so I would just say that's my ongoing project.
0: <laughs> um,
2: and and the most important for people to learn, understand and know that this plant is nothing to be scared of.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I know I was all over the place.
2: Yeah, I was all over the place, but there's just so much. I mean, I could, you could have me on here every day, and I would have so much to say. <laughs> but I think oh, yeah. anybody that has benefited from the plant, um, I don't know, wants something that really works for you. It it cannabis is a lifestyle. I mean, it is a family value, as we say. Mm-hmm. Um I do believe in consuming. I've become a better human. I've become a better mother, a better partner. And my hope is that people learn that once they start consuming, it's just like, oh, wow, I laugh more than I ever have in my life. And it's not because I'm stoned. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can happen, obviously. Um, but I don't oh, know. Oh, I just I do
1: that. It's just because they're stoned. No, yes. it's not. I know what that <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah,
2: it's like, no, it's like when that when that endocannabinoid system balances out it's just like this let go of all this stress and anxiety and fun is important I mean it's on our sign at our dispensary without fun there is no health Um, and I do believe that's something that once you can figure out like where you're you find your Goldilocks place with cannabis where everything's just right everything comes a little easier you know that you know So all over the place, but just a love for the plant and a love for people, love for my customers, my patients and um, all the advocates out there. So I I appreciate Kentucky and everything that every single advocate has done in the state. I mean, I can't when that bill passed, I just I wanted to hug and gather all of them and just like way to go, because there's a lot of them that have worked so hard for so long it's still not over you know um but boy this we took the a starting step pistol this is just literally that is such a great way to put it the starting pistol it's begun you know <laughs> so the thank okay. you for having me on um we really appreciate what you're doing you're one of those advocates that we are just so grateful for and um we appreciate you
0: Thank you again for stopping by the Bluegrass Podcast. Today's song was the Dead Horses song by the local honeys. We are very grateful we got the chance to play one of their songs on the show today. So go and see one of their shows. Grab an album or pull up YouTube because you'll do it again, I promise. Don't forget to stop by One Love Hemp Dispensary either. Not to mention our own country store to grab a cool piece of Bluegrass Cannabis merch too bluegrasscannabis.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media, leave a review, or share an episode. Every bit counts, and we appreciate every bit of your support for Bluegrass Cannabis. Thank you again for listening.